This episode of Fun Fact is brought to you by Wikipedia, <laughs> the free encyclopedia that anyone can edit. <laughs> I think all episodes of Fun Fact have been brought to you by <laughs> Wikipedia. Fun Fact. In Germany, it's illegal to wash your own car at home. <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 washing other people's cars at home. No, nah, you can't fine. wash other people's cars either. But I, I, I okay. wanted to emphasize that you couldn't wash your car because to me, that, that makes as an American, worse. especially as an American, yeah, that's <laughs> washing your own car. It's like a civil, it, civil yeah, liberty we, part of the Constitution. Yeah, we fought, we fought a revolution for this, you know, for this primarily, primarily this. So, <laughs> so this is this. Is, I, when I learned this, I was uh, I was skeptical, but I I did some reading. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, because I, 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 the way this came up is that I recently purchased the supplies to wash my own car uh, mm-hmm. because now that I have a, a driveway, uh, I thought, oh, this is going to be so great. I can wash my car at home instead of going to the car wash, which is, ex- you know, somewhat and not expensive, but it's, you know, costs money. Not slightly inconvenient. Yeah, thing. inconvenient. Actually, the, the car wash near us is very inconvenient. There's always like a mm-hmm. exceptionally long and slow line. And some people uh, have a lot of nervousness around a car. Well, I don't know. When you say car wash, if it's an automated wash, I assume it's not like... You know, it is an automated wash, yeah. Yeah. And some people worry that like, oh, a rock will get in one of the brushes and it'll ruin my car's paint. Yeah. And you're just not... Never been so precious as that. My Tesla, you're not supposed to do it. I don't care. I do it. You're not supposed to put your Tesla through the... The automatic. Through the automatic. Yeah, that's right. But I do. Uh, And I, you know... In in that, like, you're not... Any fancy car says that? Or, like, Teslas in particular are like, sorry, our paint is too Yeah, I think Tesla does say that about the paint, or at least I was told that at some point by someone. But, but, you know, um, and I'm sure friend of the show, Casey Liss, is going to be screaming this entire time because he's a very serious car washer. But but I was was very uh, excited to wash my own car. And I bought all the stuff, and I was telling my wife about this, and she's like, "What? You can't wash your own car." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking mm-hmm. about? So anyway, uh, I looked it up, and so you're only legally allowed to wash your car in Germany at official Waschstraßen, which is a very hard word to say. Waschstraßen. It's got one of those. She said, "I, I, people don't pronounce it that clearly, so it's more like Waschstraßen." I think you. You just leave the S out. But anyway, uh, I'm sure she's also now going to be yelling very loudly because uh, I probably butchered that. But at any rate, the the direct translation of that word is wash streets. Yeah. But it really just means car washes. And they're just like Mm -hmm. here or in Canada. You know, they have mechanized ones. They have places you can go and do all the work yourself. They cost money to use. Right. But the law that enforces that was apparently originally introduced to reduce the amount of soap in the wastewater system. Sure. But now, and I do see their point, they also want to reduce the amount of oil and the overall usage of water, and they want to do all this in a place where they can collect all this stuff so that they can, um, you know, process it in an environmentally friendly manner. Right. So it can be regulated. That's right. I, I, I looked up one of the city's bylaws as I was researching this, and they said, the information from the town hall is clear. First, it is fundamentally forbidden to clean your car on public roads. Second, washing on private property is prohibited if it, if it could get gasoline or oil into the property drainage system. Hmm. Where there are no appropriate disposal facilities for such substances, washing cars on one's own property is an administrative offense that is subject to a fine. This regulation is intended to prevent water contaminated with pollutants from seeping into the subsoil or for entering the sewage system untreated. 
Right. Okay. And I, you know, even as someone who, you know, I come from a place that where this is very weird because it's encouraged here to wash your car at home. I can understand and respect those environmental goals. But the one objection I do have is that you have to pay to do this then. Like it, it does right. feel like you're kind of like hurting people. Well, you have to either pay or you have to like get uh, like p- polluted water treatment facilities installed in your private property, which also would presumably cost a, an insane amount of money. The only thing that I was thinking that kind of balances this is that you do have to pay for the water when you do it at home. So maybe it's a wash. Ba-dum-tsh. How much? <laughs> I, I know that you like in California. You pay. I don't for think water. you're. Hold on. I don't think you're appreciating that joke enough. <laughs> I said maybe it's a wash. Yeah, I know. I, I I did pick that. I I got that. Pick that up. Um, definitely. We'll put in. We can put in a sound. Although I would say we put in a sound effect, but I'm definitely a dad. Yeah. So maybe I shouldn't be washing my car at home. I mean, you shouldn't be washing your car if there's a drought. Like, you don't need to wash. Sorry, Casey. <laughs> but you don't need to. I would say, I would say you you would don't need to wash your car if there's a drought. Even if it's white. Not going to be washing my car in Germany. Uh, Not going to be washing your car in Germany and no. uh, maybe washing your car a little bit more, less often, given now they're... Well, I bought the stuff, but I haven't used it yet. Paid. So, yeah, maybe I'll, right. maybe I'll wait. Yeah, not not a big... Not big car washers, those of us who live in a temperate rainforest. Um, although we had a, by far a record uh, in Vancouver just this summer of the longest time without a rain. It was like 40-something, 50 days. No, no, rain. no, no. It's Vancouver. It was 40 to 50-something minutes. <laughs> you did Normally, that's the way it is, right? But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, random non-fact, uh, but I believe it to be true. I have never been to a city with uh, more rain but more sunroofs on cars. Than Vancouver. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. I had a sunroof on, a, on my car when I was a kid. Yeah. Everyone yeah. in Vancouver seems to have a sunroof. I saw like industrial vehicles in Vancouver with sunroofs and I'm like, what? what there's no sun. I don't know what you're, you know, I'm from Seattle. <laughs> but I, when I, there I, is sun, you got to get all of it. I like, know, but I mean, the weather up. in Seattle is slightly different than Vancouver, but not that different. Not, much. not much. I don't need a sunroof. No, yeah. I don't need a sunroof. Yeah. I would take a sunroof, but not. Cool. Well, that's good to know. Next time I'm, I have a car in Germany, and I'm like, man, it's getting really dirty. Yeah, I know. I know what to do about it. So, um, my next fact is also home related. Well, of course, we discussed this in advance. Home appliance. Yeah, which is the microwave. Oh, so anybody who's used a microwave? Nope. There's most people. No, I have. I definitely have. I didn't have a microwave for a very long time, though. Yeah. We didn't have one until it was built into this house. We didn't have one. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think I've always... I've never been a big microwave user, but it's it's definitely getting more use as the number of kids has increased from zero to one to two and the time pressures increase. And, yeah. You know, no, they're useful for some pragmatic. stuff. Yeah. Um, and so anyone who's used a microwave has probably noticed that they tend to have hot spots and cool spots. Hmm. When they I have food. not noticed that, but I believe you. You haven't you haven't noticed that when you heat I, things I don't in use microwave, it, that it can often. be uneven. Okay, so most people who have used microwaves, <laughs> everyone who's not me, has noticed that there are hot spots and cool spots uh, when in your, your microwave things come out a little unevenly. Well, fun fact: the distance in between the hot spots and cool spots in your microwave, in all microwaves, is the same. Wow. Yeah. So Seems it's like not, a is this is there going to be like a business pitch at this like how we're going to 
you know, disrupt microwaves by having a microwave that this is not true about? Yeah, uh, no. Okay. Uh, it's going to be more of a physics picture about how you probably will not be able to microwave, make a microwave where that's not true. Uh, don't tell me how to live my life, Alan. I mean, okay, we'll go work through it and then we'll hear your okay. We'll hear your pitch at the end. Okay, that sounds good. About how you'll subvert this. So yeah. uh, you may be aware of for uh, you know varying levels of aware, uh, depending on how much you look into <laughs> your appliances, that microwaves cook using electromagnetic waves yeah. that oscillate at a specific frequency, 2.4 okay. gigahertz, which if you know that, you probably know that because that's the same frequency that other uh, things like Bluetooth and some Wi-Fi signals use that can sometimes interfere with each other. Um, and so that's the frequency that microwaves cook uh, food. Um, and those waves, 2.4 gigahertz waves, are a lot shorter than traditional like long-range uh, radio broadcast waves. That's why they're called micro waves. Oh, smaller. Yeah. Than like, you know, the waves are at, smaller. Yeah. As opposed to like 104 megahertz, 1049, whatever, like radio stations, right? That's would be less hertz and therefore longer waves. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger waves, right? So we, yeah. so we got these microwaves in the microwave. Um, and as those waves rapidly go up and down, uh, they excite substances such as liquid water fat stuff that's in your food and that's what makes it hot so that's like the principle at which a microwave works are you with me yes so one thing that i I kind of don't know if i fully really understood until i learned about how this works is that electromagnetic waves don't work the way that a wave in water works like it doesn't like it's not like a wave if you think of like a sine wave shape, it doesn't like slide horizontally away from the source. Okay. Instead, the waves, uh, like if you were to look at it like a sine wave, it's that instead of sliding, it's like wiggling up and down. Yeah, just and, like in music. Yeah, like in music, right? So there's like the peaks and valleys and like the places where it's yeah, that's getting a, big. That's a, big... The, when you look at a sine wave, it, it, that's a temporal movement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, if you think of a sine wave oscillating is oscillating in place, the parts that go up and down, the peak and valleys, and then there's also parts where they stay close to zero, where like it kind of like crosses the line, so to yeah. speak, and right. Yeah. And so what's happening in a microwave is that there's areas that are getting excited a lot uh, as the waves go between peak and valley, and there's other areas in the microwave that there isn't really any excitation because they're at those kind of zero crossing areas. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. so there's like this kind of grid and it's in three dimensions and it's complicated by the the waves do bounce around, around a little bit within the microwave but like kind of fundamentally you have this grid where there's parts areas that are getting heated areas that are not getting heated and so you need a rotating plate in the microwave so that it moves your food around through the hot areas and the not hot areas right right that's why the plate rotates okay um, and you can actually measure the distance in between those hot areas if you were to, and there's like a link to, a, there's videos online of people doing this. If you put like a, a plate of grated cheese or a grid of little marshmallows in the microwave without the rotator, uh, and you microwave it for long enough that they melt, um, then you'll actually see overcooked spots about two and a half inches apart from one another, which is the gap in between the peaks and valleys uh, in the waves that microwaves use. Wow. But this yeah. is a solved problem because of the spinner. Yeah, the spinner helps, but it doesn't fully solve the problem because for a few reasons. One is like the center of the spinner obviously doesn't move 
because mm. that's kind of how spinning things work, right? And so mm-hmm. sometimes you might like offset from the middle a little, mm. um, so that can help. <clears throat> Although depending on how big your thing is and how big the spinner is, you might not be able to do that. Um, and then there's also like even given the spinner, there's you can still have things kind of getting overexposed or underexposed, and so there's you know can be hot and cold spots in 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 your food. But the spinner helps, and the reflectance inside the microwave helps. Um, there's actually a few other things that do contribute to hot and cold spots, um, like different stuff gets microwave energy, like absorbs more microwave energy than other stuff. So like liquid water, fat absorb a lot, uh, but dry things and frozen things don't. So like, have you ever tried to heat up like a, a slice of lasagna? Have you ever had mm, yeah, done that before? Absolutely. Yeah, that's like one of the most difficult problems for a microwave because like at least. You know, it depends on how what your lasagna recipe is, but if you have like a good lasagna with a lot of different ingredients in there, instead of it just being kind of like just uh, like just mostly cheese, <laughs> I mean, cheese is good, but like I like to also have a little bit of stuff in there. But then sometimes you get this variation where there's like m- more dry and less dry parts of it. Some of it gets is more or less frozen. And then once the the microwave starts to defrost some parts of the the lasagna, then the liquid water starts absorbing the microwaves more aggressively than the ice areas because uh, water uh, gets excited by the microwaves way more easily than ice. And so then that means that the melted parts then start getting heated way more than the frozen parts, which is not what you want. And so it's actually like kind of like a quite difficult problem. Um, Yeah. Okay. I don't know how to solve that problem, but the first problem of the peaks and valleys Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess you can't have additional waves going in different directions offset because of the door, right? That would be the problem there. Yeah, you don't really want to have, I mean, like you could in theory have um, like two different microwave, like um, like wave emitters offset by 90 degrees at different heights. That would then mean you would have like twice the resolution, I guess, yeah. hot spots and cold spots. Um, but then, yeah, one would, would be shooting towards you. And so you, I guess you would, you could probably, you could do that as long as the door didn't have a, have a, um, like a window in it. So here's what I'm going to do instead. I'm going to put little flamethrowers. Okay. Okay. Just over the places that are cold spots. Ah, and, okay. And they'll just come on and heat those spots. Okay. Actually, I like that. Let's build on that little bit. Let's get enough of the flame, little flamethrowers that they kind of go on all sides Right. Uh-huh. And then they just kind of heat up the whole space inside there. <laughs> right. Get like an even heating, maybe like some convection going on. <laughs> yes. I have invented an uh, an oven. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> it takes a little longer, but it might be better. You don't need the rotator. No, but see, the advantage of doing both uh-huh. is that you, you just are trying to get the gap smaller. Yeah. And like, to to be clear, like... The, the rotator helps quite a bit. And then also the, they try to design the microwave so that the waves bounce around a little bit. So I think my sense in reading about this is that like more than 50% of the problem of uneven cooking of microwave is probably more from like the variance of <clears throat> uh, the variance of uh, this, the thing that you're microwaving, having different amounts of uh dielectric conductivity and, and stuff like that rather than like there's other also other factors like different parts of your food depending if it's made out of if it's not homogenous um like if it's just all a bowl of oatmeal without anything in it, in it then it won't have this but a lot of different kinds of food like the lasagna 
different parts of it will conduct heat differently, right? And the way the microwave works is like it's heating some areas more than other areas or like, you know, when a wave hits uh, water, then it might not necessarily go through the water, right? But then, especially if you are become an expert, expert microwave user, as I have become having kids, um, you will cook things low and slow, like not like max power for you know, two minutes, you'll do like half power for four minutes or whatever. Ah. And then the food has a time to kind of like spread the heat through it. Okay. But what if instead I put a Bain Marie, I think it's Bon Marie, Bain Marie in the microwave and then put my thing in that. Do you know what a um, Bain Marie is? I, okay. It, oh, like a, yeah. Okay. Like a, heat, clearly yeah, not okay, a, yeah. a mm-hmm, baking mm-hmm. show fan. But yeah, yeah, no, I know these things. You put yeah. it in like water. Yes. And then the water also cooks it. Right. Yeah. So that'll work to the degree like the microwave will do will work well on the water. Right. Yeah. The microwave will work well in the water and it'll work, work to some degree. You definitely want to not have a metal one in there. Right. But <laughs> you got like a glass one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Glass. Yeah. It'll one, heat yeah. the water and then the water will in the way that those do conduct. So you could like probably poach an egg that way, I would think. Yeah. Be great. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's an experiment for the listeners. <laughs> Somebody, uh, if you try this and anything goes bad, we're not responsible. No. <laughs> like, no. I don't. Uh, sounds a little. <laughs> Seems like a good idea. And also, I hear that you can superheat water in a microwave if you, you're not careful. Um, so, you know, try Super that. Superheat it. Ooh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That sounds good, right? You be, can get like be, more yeah. than 100 degrees because the boiling doesn't start in the, if the water isn't like agitated in some way. So oh. if you just microwave just straight up water, like you're sort of discouraged from microwaving straight up water, because if there isn't anything that like, I don't exactly know how, it, this is not my prepared fact. You should um, research this for another fact. Yeah. Apparently you can make it more than a hundred degrees. Um, okay. Microwave, if you're not careful. Bonus side fun fact about it, um, mm. because it didn't come up exactly. Uh, why are microwaves 2.45 gigahertz? Yeah. Why? Because, because they want to interrupt with my Bluetooth signal. Because they want it's to my with Bluetooth. They're like, you've been working too much. Yeah. You've streamed in too much movies. And now you're trying to make this food for your child. Yeah, just focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. 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 Slow down. Slow down, buddy. Yeah, it's actually that uh, that frequency just works well for heating food. They try to hold, they, oh. there's like 15 gigahertz ones. There was various different 15? things. 15? Yeah, they tried a variety of different frequencies when they were like inventing the microwave. And yeah. some of them would work well depending on. You know, they would heat different parts of the food in different ways. Ah, uh, which, so that's what I need is multiple. I need to like, I need variable bit rate microwaving. Well, that would not be uh, super great. Uh, you'd have an additional challenge nowadays if you were to say, okay, I'm actually going to have like a seven gigahertz microwave, yeah. which is that um, now uh, the spectrum uh, that you can spew out random uh, radiation waves like that or... Uh, random electromagnetic waves like that is much more regulated so at the well, time I, yeah, I'll, I'll break the law but like i'll oh, okay. do it okay that would I mean so you're just gonna do the uber path <laughs> that's right i'm gonna move fast break things i'll uh, you know i have yeah. lawyers for that <laughs> <All right. laughs> violate international law or whatever yeah yeah, just, yeah whatever just, that's, and then that's a, figure that's it a out. lawyer problem yeah. and then iterate yeah, exactly yeah. but i want a vbr i want it to be like at every point on the spin, calculate, you know, what the correct, like, wave would be to hit the most stuff ov- overall. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm you know, use, that, like, mm-hmm. machine learning to detect that it's uh, Alan's funky lasagna. Like a Subway. Like a Subway that's, like, a million well, like times a, a second evaluating. A June it. oven, I oh, think, yeah. does yeah. this. Precise. 
real time. Yeah, it knows what you're cooking, and it knows like AI. I would measure like the infrared on the heat spots, crypto. and yeah, cri- crypto. Let's just say words. Gonna crypto your lasagna. <laughs> just say words. Well, you know, actually, I'm gonna heat my lasagna by the power of Bitcoin mining. You know, that actually would be a. Uh, I mean, that's probably closer to being a good business idea than the one you had before. <laughs> I'll make a restaurant that's both mining uh, Bitcoin and producing delicious hot food. I mean, it would be it would be better than some of the startups that are out there. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. microwaves. Now you know two point four yeah. gigahertz, now and that's why that's why our Wi Fi and Bluetooth and everything is also two point four gigahertz because, because it was available. Because it was available because you couldn't uh, use it for like serious stuff because, because microwaves, microwaves were effing it up. And wow. so they're like, okay, well, if people want to be able to like experiment. Well, they can just have that 2.4 gigahertz because there's all the microwave noise. And then we'll, and now like, I can't use my Wi-Fi on this side of the kitchen. Yes, because yeah. the microwaves. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll link up. But there's a cool video by Engineer Guy uh, huh. on YouTube. Who makes these Classic. Yeah. And it's good uh, engineering videos about how that works. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to stay in this sensitive subject zone, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. microwaves radiation conspiracies it's all related yeah, yeah it's tin kind of foil it's kind hats of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because i'm going to talk about something very sensitive right now okay i'm i'm very enthusiastic to hear vaccinations okay yes all right yeah yeah, yeah the yeah. two the two big hot topics right now vaccinations and microwave ovens so right. we're kind of getting full coverage of the just of getting the it all mm-hmm. you know everyone put on your tinfoil hats now Mm-hmm. To protect you okay. from the microwave from radiation. The, the, from the knowledge I'm about and, to spit. And the knowledge. Okay. <laughs> Fun fact. In Germany, mm-hmm. you don't need to refrigerate your eggs. And that's because their chickens are vaccinated for salmonella. Really? Yes. Huh. I thought it was about like washing or something like that. Well, so we're going to get into that because it is about washing. So, okay. So, so it's like you have a wash German and washing theme. Yeah, I do. Isn't this amazing? Yeah. The, the the synergy? Well, we so, planned all this stuff out like months in advance. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm glad it's finally here. You know, I've been yeah. waiting for this one. Yeah. So if you go to a grocery store in Germany, you will see that the eggs you can buy are sold just on a shelf like any other non-refrigerated product. Yes, that's true in other countries as well. It's true in many other countries as well. But if you're American or Canadian, it's a bit jarring. Mm -hmm. Because we buy our our, our eggs from the refrigeration section Mm -hmm. with the dairy and things like that typically. And the first time I saw it, I was a little bit put off. But it turns out it's totally fine. And that's because the, the... So the issue here is salmonella, as I mentioned in the fact. And salmonella is a bacteria which, according to the American FDA, is the most common source of food poisoning in the mm, USA. Mm-hmm. And chicken eggs can become infected with salmonella in a couple different ways, uh, either during the formation if the hen has salmonella or, and this is kind of gross, but after birth if the egg comes into contact with feces. Yeah, I might, or I don't know if you know, it got to this in the fact, but what I had heard is that the latter was the more common way. Right. So countries deal with this problem in in different ways. The United States and Canada have been since the 70s requiring commercial farmers to wash their eggs. This is what you mentioned. So eggs are washed in a hot soapy water and then they're sprayed with a disinfectant Mm -hmm. and washing them removes any of that salmonella that's on the outside of the egg. But it also damages a thin protective layer of the egg 
that they have naturally, which is called the cuticle. Mm, okay. And this destruction of this cuticle makes the eggs more vulnerable to bacterial invasion. Right. So they remove the bacterial, but they remove the bacteria, but they could get new bacteria in there. Right. Which is why we have to keep them refrigerated because from the moment they are done washing them, they're now sort of more fragile. And so they refrigerate them until they sell them. The store keeps them refrigerated until you buy them. You take them home and you keep them refrigerated until you eat them. And there are some additional benefits to that because uh, it, it, Definitely enhances the shelf the shelf life at home as well. Refrigerated eggs last a lot longer than eggs that are not. Oh, that's like interesting. How long? Fifteen days. How long does this like a shelf egg last? I think it's like countries? like like five or six days. Oh, which is like a and it's like two weeks if you have them in the fridge. So okay. In Germany, along with most of Europe, not all of Europe, but most of Europe, Mexico, and lots of other places in the world, they actually forbid you to wash eggs right because it it makes because it, it damages exactly yeah. and instead what germany does is they use a cheap vaccine that prevents the chickens from having salmonella in the first place hmm. okay that seems like a could you okay maybe i'm getting ahead of myself but like could you vaccinate them and refrigerate and like then have a super egg well so interestingly enough since 2010 most egg producers at least in the united states actually do vaccinate their chickens hmm. because there was a massive recall and it led to higher hygiene rules. Sure. But they all also still wash them. Right. So they are being double. So they're like super protected. They're vaccinated. So now they're super. Being, but then they don't need to be. Well, if they, if it was like totally mandated, if you had a chicken vaccine passport, then, That's right. then you wouldn't have to wash them, but you could still refrigerate them so you get the longer shelf life and then the no salmonella. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if, yeah, I think, I don't know if they would also have to refrigerate them. Well, they wouldn't, well, they wouldn't have to, but I feel like if. No, no, I mean for the shelf life advantage. Like if, if, like they wouldn't have to refrigerate them for salmonella, but I don't know what the shelf life difference would be if they didn't refrigerate them and then you did. Oh, I assume. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, you could. I don't know. Because they're the minute they're, the way they are now, you know, at commercial farms, they get, you know, taken and then washed and then refrigerated and then sold and kept refrigerated. And then the only time they're not refrigerated is basically however long they're sitting in your bag from the grocery store to your house. If they only last five days, like that seems like an expensive logistical problem. You, I guess refrigeration is expensive. Like obviously they've like in other countries, they've done the math where it's like, yeah, we could refrigerate the eggs and then they would last 10 days instead of five days. But that's so expensive that we'll just keep churning out the eggs. Like we'll keep a lower stock of eggs and keep them moving through the store. Like I'm sure someone did that analysis, but it seems a little surprising. Uh, well, I think uh, one of the things is that uh, most countries are not the size of a, of a U.S. or a Canada. Okay. And so the food is coming from much closer. Right. So it's more likely to have eggs from your city or something or your. Yeah. They're just much more likely to come from, or even if they're just from another part of the country, you know, in Germany, for example, you can get anywhere in Germany inside the same day. Right. Whereas in the U S the eggs could be taken from, you know, places that are days away. I'd be a little surprised if that's right. worth like doing. They, they don't yeah. fly them. Yeah. They they try they 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 um they drive them. Yeah, right? sure. Hmm. Interesting. But I don't actually. Perhaps I'm uh, wrong about how long, like you know, how long German eggs travel. Uh, well, how long do German eggs last unrefrigerated? Yeah, 
I don't know. Yeah. I'm yeah. Off, I find I, my intuitions are often wrong about how far things may have traveled to get to me. Like, I kind of assume that nothing is made in Vancouver, but that most of our stuff is like, you know, within a thousand kilometers, about or miles of here. But then it'll be like, oh, this thing is from like, you know, 30 miles away, like, you know, in from Richmond, BC, like your neighboring city. And then this thing is from New Zealand. <laughs> right. And it's like, oh, that seems okay. But like, oh, yeah, you can just pick it when it's basically like completely unripe and throw it on a ship. And then weeks later, it arrives and it's ripe and it's not that expensive. Oh, okay. So this this other article I'm looking at now says that uh, that unrefrigerated eggs are usually only good for a week or two, while refrigerated eggs can last four weeks. Okay, so like two to four times. But it, I, so that's basically what I said. It's that the numbers yeah. are different, but the idea that is that it's two x. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I see your point. Like you just never know. And when you're if you drive around Europe, uh, you will see everywhere. You know, like big trucks, just like here. You know, the trucks are still the main way that everything is transported pretty much in most places in the world, right? But certainly in Europe and in and in North America. But the trucks will be from everywhere, right? Like Poland, they'll be like an Estonian truck. Estonian, Hungary, Italy, whatever, whatever. Um, but And I guess the full size of Europe is somewhat comparable to the size of the United mm -hmm. States. So maybe it's, maybe you're right. Maybe it's like, you know, stuff comes from, maybe the eggs are coming from farther away. But I do feel like... Like, you know, when I've been in France, for example, you know, you're getting bread from a baker that's, you know, down the street. Yeah, well, it's proportional often to, like, how much freshness matters. And if you've had, like, bread baked in the last, like, 12 hours or last three hours, you'll know that, like, that's one of the things that you can get a big win, especially if you care about bread, which if you're French, you probably yeah. do. Um, I think overall in, in, in the European countries I've lived in slash visited, there is a far more emphasis placed on local like produce and stuff, even by people who stereotypically here wouldn't care about that. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. if you figure there, you know, class and, and economic, you know, all the comparable situations, the per that same person here would be buying, you know, stuff that's from God knows where and sitting on shelves forever and refrigerating forever. And there they're getting their local farmer's market or whatever. And I know that I've, I've been to places in Germany where you go and pick your own produce. Yeah. There's places we, uh, we did that actually this, we can got some fresh blueberries from nice. outside of town. And then you can just pick like hordes of them. It's cheaper. I have to pay people. Yeah. Them. And, I think that's more common in other places, but, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. But I, but I do think that like, given the, I, I like the idea that we're double doing it, I suppose. Although at that point we, I think I like your idea that you would just vaccinate and then refrigerate, but not wash. Yeah, that's going to be my. That's really the super. That's our startup. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or after we're done with the microwave, that's right. Crypto. Yeah, we're going to do the again violating the law because you you have to wash them in in Canada and the United States. But we'll just yeah. do Uber style. And do yeah, unwashed, we'll, we'll, vaccinated what eggs. if we open in Mexico and then we import after them? Or it's called some whatever the thing is called. It's now. called what is it called? U U S whatever yeah. Or M. I think it's just M yeah. for some reason. You know what? We could yeah. we could do it in the United States where that wasn't the rule and they import them, but that wouldn't be like as good in branding. So what we need to do is we need to have the eggs in whatever is the most like pretentious like can we have the eggs be born in like Brooklyn or something? <laughs> like and then and then they're like eighteen dollars for a carton 
Um, and then it's illegal, <laughs> but then we can just use the profits to like obfuscate and wage a PR war and then eventually try to get them legalized. I'm in. Let's do it. You know what? I'm like, actually, no, I think this might be even better. Right? I think that's the, the best business idea so far of this episode. Of this week's episode. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. Maybe we'll top it. I don't, are we I don't pi- think this. Are we pivoting this show to a bad business idea <laughs> podcast? Is that the idea? I don't know. We're trying Ways for it. you and me to spend time in federal this prison. Is our new, this, is our new, <laughs> this is our new business we're trialing, a podcast that throws out bad business ideas. But are, are they bad? I'm though? not that excited about that. To be honest, are they? <laughs> are they bad though? That's what the show. That's going to be the new name of the show. Are they bad though? With our and Alan. Yeah. Are they bad? I don't. Know. I don't think this last. I don't see this last one having um a uh, a business idea, but maybe, maybe. Okay, hit me. Um. So, fun fact: there is a convention among many American math teachers that the phrase mm. one hundred and one should be interpreted as not one more than one hundred but rather 0.1 more than 100. Huh. Okay, so this is relating to the idea that it's not correctly pronounced 101. The correct pronunciation for reasons is 101. Yes. Is that do we know why that's true? I mean, I know that is a fact. And as a pretentious student of math in school, I'm sure mm-hmm. that I I was very good at saying it correctly at some point in my life. And now I do not care at all. But is there a reason that that's true? Is that because of significant did like that you're indicating that there is something after a decimal point? Is that the so, yeah, reason? Yeah. So I dug into this. Um, this actually came from some follow up. Um, a teacher from the U.S. named Cody sent us some very nice feedback this week. Uh, Overall, very nice, very feedback. nice feedback. Uh, and yeah. we love and we love Lovely. feedback. And this was actually a particular kind of feedback that's fun, which is someone going back through all the old episodes. We've been doing the show long enough that there's like a back catalog that someone can like work their way through and they'd be like kind of living back. And, we, you know, we try to make the episodes still kind of meaningful over time. <clears throat> so that's awesome that people are doing that. Um, and that feedback included a note about an episode that we did a couple of years back. And in that episode, I said the phrase 615. Yeah. And he wanted me to know that I say my numbers wrong. Mm, he did want you to yeah, know that. Because uh, <laughs> that it should be said 615 with no right. and. Uh, and he went on to say that 615 would mean, he says, 600.15. Which yeah. was really surprising to me. Uh, I had not heard of this. Uh, no, I, I, I still haven't until now. Yeah, and, no, I, I well, had. You had, but that was like know, news but... to you. Um, yes, it was. Yeah. And so it's actually interesting to me because you're in the States, but you found that surprising as well. And so we, I was surprised. And when I'm surprised, I'm interested. And so I did some research. So we all know that the that that number 101 is pronounced in different ways. That And they're all mutually intelligible. Even, you know, you people can argue, but with the correct one, you can say 101. You can say 101. You can say 101. You can say 101. You can say 101, mm-hmm. like different you know, mm-hmm. just stylistic variations. But the phrasing 101 is the most commonly taught one in the U.S. As you were saying, that's typically how uh, kids are encouraged to say it. And it's still sort of like most common U.S. English way of saying it. Whereas 101 is the more common uh, one elsewhere in the world. So it's like just a classic U.S. English versus British English example where the U.S. English one is like slightly simplified like drop the u sort of thing so that in itself i didn't find strange and that's 
something I don't think I had maybe known before, but as soon as I saw that, Wait, that was so like, oh, okay. Re- re- recap that. So 101, which is what you yeah. were saying, the way you would you were taught to say it, that's the yes. U.S. way of saying it. Okay. 101 is the British way of saying it. Okay, so this person, that's what I thought I heard you say. So this person is at best only correct for the United States. Right. So And you don't li- you don't live in the United States. I don't live in the United States. I am in Canada. So the question like, does Alan say his numbers wrong? It's like no. No, Alan says his numbers wrong. Cana- I say it's wrong Canadianly. Um and that's yes. fine. But that wasn't the part to me that was surprising. Like the thing of like, oh, is it correct to say one hundred one versus one hundred and one? Uh that was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, the fact that there's stylistic US versus British and like that wasn't surprising to me. The the strange thing to me it's the decimal, it's the decimal point part. I don't. I'm. I'm very interested to hear what you have to say. My take right now is that that seems completely ridiculous to me. But it I'm, was very surprising to me. Um, I'm very interested. The the idea that 101 in a U.S. Yeah. context could be interpreted as as 100.1. Yeah, I would never, ever, ever, ever have thought that. And you know, honestly, in California, it's 101, probably not 101. Right. Probably, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. It seems that that stems from the fact that many U.S. math teachers are taught for the number 101 to promote that phrasing 101 that we were talking about. Yeah. And for the number 100.1 to promote the phrasing 100 and one tenth. Oh, okay. So the the best theory I could for find... For saying it, instead of saying 100.1. Instead of saying 100.1, they're encouraged or to teach. Or And this is not as it is true in, I think, a lot of places, but definitely in the States. A lot of education is state by state and sometimes even district by district. And then some of yeah. it is very standardized in how the teachers teach or are taught and some of it is less standardized. There's no universal, this is the way things are taught in the States. But this is a common way that it's taught in the States. So that they, okay. get, they encourage kids to say 101 tenth to mean... 100.1 and the best figure i could find on why that is uh which is like seems kind of an awkward way of saying it is the yes, idea very. was that it might help children learn fractions like if they're saying 106 tenths 121 hundredths like thinking of it as like the number and then the fraction that's the best theory yeah, I could come okay. up with like why All that right. became like a encouraged practice sure but it's kind of awkward yes right 100.1 rolls off a little easier than one hundred and one tenth, right? Um, yeah. Especially when you're yeah, converting yeah, yeah. from reading it to speaking it. Uh, and since it's awkward, you end up with people dropping the tenth. So instead of saying, you know, they still shorten it to like one hundred and one instead of one hundred and one tenth. Uh-huh. Um, they just do one hundred one. They do one hundred one. One hundred and six to mean one hundred right. point six, even though they're one hundred and six tenths is what they're sort of meaning but then of course once you adopt that as a convention you get this horrible ambiguity like what about 100.01 100.001 right are those are still 101 100 and 01 right 100 would they say 100 and 01 i doubt it probably not right and so you're getting it's just kind of a a mess like i'm sure they have a theory for resolving it but like it's kind of a mess and then obviously as you were saying in the real world, it's very rare from any Googling that I could do and, like, people discussing this on forums. I couldn't find a lot of, like, hard concrete. There wasn't a Wikipedia article. I was like, here's the deal with this weird thing about, like, the U.S. educational system that happens in the state-by-state basis. Like, it was too obscure of a topic to, like, have the really, like, concrete. <laughs> here's exactly how it breaks down regionally or whatever. But as yeah. far as I could tell, in the real world and in all of the people that I encountered, no one actually refers to decimals that way. 
this idea yeah, of 100 yeah. and one, it would be the way that they would say 100.1. Um, except maybe money, because the decimal places are fixed. So if you said five and six, you would clearly mean five dollars and six cents because of the number of decimal places. I've never heard anyone say that, I don't think. But yes, I could imagine that. I feel like if someone was going to say the the number we've been using as an example, the, the way I would imagine they would say it would be 101.6. Yes. Like a radio mm-hmm. station. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be yeah. that would be clear. Right. That would be very clear. Um, despite all that. It seems that many uh-huh. U.S. math teachers, and this is not at all a slight of short listener who wrote in this feedback, because it seems to be very common. There's lots of people online talking about, like, why, why was I taught this? Well, way? and he's a superintendent. And, yeah, well, he's a superintendent. So. He's like a level up, right? He needs to really know yeah. his stuff, right? And it, it seems yeah. that there's many, many math teachers and many people who then are like, will pass on in, in a language context in a normal day to day. They won't use that. But then they'll like teach their kids, oh, you're in a math class. I, I have this thing I need to teach you, which is that. Uh, you need to say 101 actually refers to 101 tenth in this weird microcosm, which is U.S. math classes in certain states, <laughs> uh, even though people don't actually say it that way. Um, and as far as I can tell, the the reason behind like why is this insisted upon is like more of a technique for pushing kids to say 101 instead of 101. Right. If you say 101, they like intentionally misinterpret it. It's like, oh, that means 100.1, wrong, X, right? And so, like, that, like, kind of drills into kids that they should say it the American way, 101. Yeah, but, he, uh, okay, but is it the American way? Uh, it's the way that, <laughs> it's the way that, so, like, this goes back to the, like, what is wrong, what is right with, with language, right? There's different ways yes. you can get, take a bit, right? You can say by authority, right? By the authority of various states of no one <laughs> well it's not the authority of no one because it's the authority of various states educational standards no no because we don't have a, my, no my point is that we don't have there's a no centralized language USA. there's no centralized usa language board so there's an unlike in yes. france or but there is a centralized state educational board for each state generally has like a yeah but do they all agree no, but at least like you're so you speaking go. Colorado. <laughs> you're great. I don't live in Colorado. Maybe <laughs> or whatever state. Some of the states officially say that it's 101 in that state, and that's that. That's the kind of non-controversial, like not super yeah. unusual thing out of all of this is like it seems that most places in the states and most people who are like experts in U.S. grammar will tend to say that the preferred way of saying it is 101. Ah, yes, except this is my whole point. Wait, what were you going to say? The preferred way of saying it is Is 101, like without the and? No, that's wrong, though. This is is what I'm saying. So this is a tension in linguistics where written language and, and spoken language, they change over time and they change independently of each other. And ultimately, whatever... What the preferred mode of English when speaking is whatever people are actually saying. And people are saying 101. That's what they're saying. Because if you look this up, what you will get is endless pedantic posts. And again, nothing at all against uh, the incredibly lovely person who wrote us <laughs> a truly wonderful email. Uh, but you will hear endless posts saying, oh, you know, you're saying that wrong. And it's like, yeah, but if everyone's saying it wrong, it's not wrong. And on top of that, now that I know that this is standard in other English-speaking places, it brings me back to my feeling on this, which is why is it preferred to say 101 instead of 101 or 101 instead of 101? What is the value in that? Well, and well I, I mean, you can I, come I, up I with an answer what. to that. That question is easy to answer because like 101 is more succinct. And so you can very easily like, oh, well, the value is if you speak 
more efficiently. If you care about that. Well, I mean... Efficiency is not a inherent good. No, but you're, like, when you're figuring out how you want to teach English, like, you could come up with, you have to pick some... Of course, but I'm saying if, if if everyone is doing it, this is like, and we'll talk about this more in other facts, and we've talked about it in facts before, but there are facets of English that are uh, intentionally working against people's actual speaking. It's like when you get told, you know, that it's, it's not him and me, it's him and I. Yeah, when that's, to be right? clear, the, I'm on the same, the, like, I agree with you about yes. uh, English and language in general, the, the important thing being what are people saying in practice and in general advocating like no no like close the door like all the correct english is getting out people are less and less saying yeah, the correct right. thing it's like at that point the battle's already lost like if there's a trend you lost it just it's 101 like that's move on to the is. next thing right i agree with you but i don't think that that argument is like settled law so to speak like i think there are well i'm just taking a side here. yeah yeah and i'm on the same side as you but i don't think it's as absolute as as well, this is just, you know, you there is no correct. No, one. we've learned a, we've learned two things here today. <laughs> what are the two things? One is that Alan is not saying his numbers wrong because he's from Canada. <laughs> so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. And the second thing is I am saying my numbers wrong in the instances where I say 101. But you don't care. I have I don't care. I actually don't even know what I say and of course now at this point in this discussion I cannot replicate Yeah, a, we thought about it too much. Yeah, way too much. And I don't know what I actually say, but if I say 101 or 101, which feels like probably what I say, it I'm totally fine with that. And also, I when writing my checks, of course, it's you write out like 100 and Yeah, and the little know, thing is like hard coded in. You have to say and on the check. Well, okay. So, it, so we're kind of struggling here of really finding out like okay, what is the thing that we can appeal to for 100% correctness? And so maybe that's why we need to fall back to the appeal to Disney which would tell us that it's 100.1 Dalmatians. <laughs> so I guess that's that's your proof. <laughs> I don't know why I find that so funny. 